Well, good evening, everybody. It's a joy to be with you here in uh, Wisconsin, and uh, I love the Midwest. This is the land that gave me a wonderful wife. My wife, Jenny, and her family, most of them are from Janesville, Wisconsin, that, uh, over there, wherever that, wherever I am. But uh, anyway, Jan, yeah, thank you for pointing that out, but uh, we are so uh, glad to be here. And uh, greetings from the land of lobster rolls and, uh, and uh, parking cars and all that wonderful stuff. But uh, it is a joy to be with you. I'd like to ask you to turn your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 7 tonight. And uh, I can't think of a greater cause and reason to be in church tonight than to talk about the lost. And I can't think of something that just uh, is more difficult for our flesh sometimes to get excited about than soul winning. Uh, it truly is all about others. It really is all about the Lord. And, uh, and I pray that uh, tonight we can be encouraged. Would you stand with me? Uh, I'd like for us to read, if you will, just a few verses. And uh, really, I, I, this is a lesson maybe in many ways. And uh, most of all, I pray that I can just encourage you uh, through three passages that have greatly encouraged me to just keep the gospel and sharing the gospel at the forefront. And what a great thing it is for here at a local church, a local body, to gather uh, before you ramp up in many other areas to just say the main thing really is bringing people to Jesus. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 1 says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make uh, windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine own eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. That is, Elijah said that. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there, and if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of, the, of Syria, behold, there was no man there, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. And a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came up unto the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and Carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for the privilege we have to go and tell others. Lord, the task is to win the world and to start here, right here in our cities. And we praise you, Lord, for the promise that you are with us. I just pray tonight you would awaken us. And Lord, give us a burden, Father, for the lost. Give us, Lord, a desire to be used of you. And I pray, Lord, that we may see just wonderful and eternal, uh, Father, um, fruit because of this time here tonight, we ask Holy Spirit that should help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. 
So Paul defined the gospel for us in 1 Corinthians 15 as the death, the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The payment for our sins on the cross. And well, So sometimes we need to be reminded that the gospel is indeed good news. Uh, now, what do you do with good news? You share them. Uh, the mandate of the church is to go and to tell the world. The marching orders of the church are to make disciples. Uh, you know, a soul winning church is like saying there is a driver who drives or a golfer who golfs. Folks, that is simply what we are here to do. We are here to reach uh, people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but it sure can be easy to lose focus and it never is easier than in the summertime. And all God's people said, amen. We can go from spiritual contributors to really selfish consumers. I know it's easy for me. I've noticed how easy, even as a pastor, it is sometimes to uh, come to church and think, well, I wonder if so-and-so will come and if they'll appreciate, you know, what we're trying to do. And, and uh, I know for you, I'm sure you found yourself plagued by, uh, you know, this way of thinking sometimes. Well, I'm going to go to church and hopefully I feel this and I get that and I'm encouraged to do so-and-so. And those aren't bad things necessarily. But uh, today, you know, we, we're here to remember that the church, Peter said, is a spiritual house. The church is made up of living stones. All of us, one by one, the Bible says, uh, make up what is the church. The church isn't where we go, it's who we are. And the Bible says that we are the church and we exist for the world. Uh, the church is not for me. I am the church, the Bible says, and we exist to take the light of the world, uh, the light of the gospel into the world. We are light of the world. We are salt of the earth, which is why there's nothing like the local church when it is working right to get the gospel out together into a lost and dying world. And that's, our, that's our, what we're all about tonight. I have no doubt God is using your church. He is, you've been such an encouragement to our church. We've seen your example. We're rooting for you. We pray for you. Uh, we use the Christ Walk Journal and we've started the Discovery Bible uh, uh, studies and it's been such a great thing for our church. I told my wife four years ago when we visited here the first time, I said, that is the friendliest church I have ever been in and I've been in a lot of places. But no doubt a body like this, like a physical body, has parts of it that need to get working a little bit better. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you got knee pain and you got a little bit of a back thing going on and you got, you know, Ben Gay, you know, stashed by the, by the uh, dozens because, you know, sometimes things aren't working like they should. And I have no doubt in a group like this, as wonderful a church as this is, there are some here who just, it's just not going as well as it should. You could have a greater burden. God could use you in a greater way. And maybe tonight you just need to refocus a little bit with me. So there's three passages I want us to go through quickly, and I want to just uh, ask the Lord to help us tonight that, to study them, and hopefully you'll be motivated to keep the gospel at the center of your life and to, and to maybe focus on this getting the good news uh, out into the world. Notice this first passage, 2 Kings chapter 7. Here's a passage about this need to refocus. Here's, the Bible says, a story in ancient times. There was more than one way in those days to conquer a city. They would ram the gates, sometimes they would burn the walls, and sometimes they would do something that's called, they would besiege the city. They would station troops around it and essentially cut off supplies and resources and just wait. Sometimes it was uh, sometimes days, sometimes it was hours, days, sometimes it was months, and even sometimes years, as you can read in the Bible. Well, something fascinating is happening here in 2 Kings chapter number 7 in Israel. 
uh, it's an interesting thing. Here, the Bible says that there's these four lepers who are outside a city who's been, that's been besieged. Uh, so these men, obviously, you know, you know the story. Some of you know leprosy. It's a highly contagious disease characterized by infections that would eat away at people's bodies and eventually it would kill them. They could no longer live in the, in the city with their uh, loved ones because, of course, they were contagious. And so these four lepers, the Bible says, also realize we can't go to the Syrian army because, well, they'll kill us. And so they, uh, they start to examine the situation and they hold a little committee meeting, as we read, and uh, they assess the situation and they think to themselves, well, if we do nothing, we die. If we go back to the city, well, there's no food there. We die and we potentially get our loved ones sick also and they die. If we go to the Syrian army, we die, but there's this small chance that they have pity on us and maybe they'll throw some food at us and who's to know. So the Bible says that they uh, take a vote and they say, well, that's about our, our best chance. So let's go ahead. Let's take a risk. Let's go over there. And the Bible says something amazing has happened in verse number six. The ground has begun to rumble, and the Bible says that the Spirit of God has gone before them, and, uh, and all of a sudden, the Syrian army has fled, and they had left everything behind. Here's the Syrian camp, and there it is, all strewn there. The Bible says coats, and armor, and weapons, and jewelry, and iPads, and iPhones, and skis, and cars, and food, and clothing, and laptops, and flat screen TVs. You get, you know what I'm saying, but everything, right? And so they walk in, the Bible says, they walk in and they found this bounty. And of course, they find food and silver and gold. And verse 8 tells us they start hiding some of their loot. And they are just, man, they're stashing it. And they're just, and they're just eating. And all of a sudden, they're, they're doing this. And, then, and yet they come to a moment, at a moment where they come to their senses and they think to themselves, wait a minute. And they remember everybody in the city is dying, starving to death, literally. If you read the Bible, before this, uh, they, had just come, they had come to the point in the city where they were selling things like the dung from birds and the head of a donkey for just an incredible amount of money because there was no food. I think they think of their wife and their children. They're thinking of their siblings and parents and co-workers and neighbors. And the Bible says in verse 8, when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into the tent, they ate and they drank, and they carried them silver and gold and raiment and went hid it. And they came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also, and they went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. They were afraid. They said, wait a minute, we're missing an opportunity to do good. And they said, What's worse is judgment could fall upon us if we don't take advantage of this chance, if, if we just stay so selfish. As the story unfolds, you can read the second less of the rest of the chapter at a later time. Second Kings chapter 7, they go, they tell the people. The Bible says that the people file out of the city with joy and rejoicing. And there's this great, the Bible says, moment of jubilation, knowing not just that God had, uh, that the lepers had, had come and told them but that God had done a great miracle and, and provided everything they could possibly need it and here they were the Bible says all the people and they're eating and they are drinking and they're rejoicing and high-fiving isn't this wonderful and in my mind's eye I picture the happiest people there were these four lepers who are at a far off distance watching all of this happening and they're going isn't this great aren't you glad we told them it's wonderful well 
The Bible says that in such a way, the gospel is good tidings. Every Sunday we gather, and it's a day of good news. Our Savior is alive. And listen, we gather and we rejoice. He's done so much for us. He has forgiven our sins. He has given us His Holy Spirit. Many of us here, we can tell stories of being liberated. You've been freed from your sin, and, and He's given us the direction and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. He's given us the promise of heaven. He's given us the fellowship with other believers. And all of a sudden, we have friends here. We have uh, 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 people that we really, really love here. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, we come, and yet there are moments in a church where we have to refocus. This is such a moment. Some of you have experienced the blessing and the joy of taking a risk and telling a coworker, or going to a neighbor's house or taking some bread or knocking on a door and seeing that person respond positively. And they came to church and you sat there and uh, you were sitting there, not like normal. All of a sudden you're praying, oh Lord, bless pastor. Oh Lord, use the message. And you know what it's like for them to respond. And all of a sudden there's an invitation given for the gospel. And they raise a hand and they come forward and they receive Jesus as their Savior. And you know what it's like for them when they get into that baptistry. Something amazing happens when they go in and they come out. And boy, you just rejoice and you think to yourself, isn't it wonderful? I am so glad that I took a risk. I'm so glad I went to them. And you remember that conversation. You say, well, how can we be motivated and refocused again? I think as God's people, there's a couple of simple truths that will help us tonight. Here's number one. Remember this. Everyone's life changes when Jesus comes into it. Jesus changes everything. How many of you are thankful Jesus changed your life? Listen, the gospel changes everything. My story is very simple. Uh, my, uh, uh, we were a young family. My, my mom and dad, they were struggling with uh, everything that you know, does uh, to, uh, to a home. My dad was a young businessman. He was drowning in business. He had an abundance of money and, and, uh, and alcohol and all of the curses that that brings. And sin was a, uh, causing major damage in, in my parents' marriage. And I don't remember that. I was just a little toddler, but I, I know that this is the story. My mom was a young lady who got away from the Lord and she married this uh, man out, out, of, uh, out of the will of God. And all of a sudden she was unequally yoked. And, and while they were blessed, I mean, by the time I was eight, years old. I'd been on every continent and I have pictures, you know, wearing, uh, you know, this is name brand uh, clothing and sitting on a yacht on the Mediterranean and just enjoying all of that life. But, you know, uh, I do remember this, that uh, uh, there was there was a lot of uh, anger and there was a lot of yelling. But my first memory in life was of a soul winner who would come to our house and he would sit with my dad and he'd say, Al, Jesus wants to save you. And he, my dad would say, I'm just not ready. And he'd look at him, he'd say, but Jesus is ready. He'll save you today. And I'll never forget, uh, uh, well, I'll never forget the day my mother went to heaven 15 years ago. And I want to tell you something. I don't remember those people. Here's what I remember. I remember two of the greatest Christians that I've ever met in my entire life. Because Jesus changed my life. They changed their lives. They were saved. My life's greatest blessing was to grow up in a home where the gospel was present, where the joy of the Lord was present. 2 Corinthians 5.16, you know these verses. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
Paul said, listen, you've got to stop looking at people the way they look. There's a young man, there's an old man, there's a rich man, there's a, uh, you know, a, a person who's maybe, maybe poorer. No, no, no. He said, don't look at him that way. Like, we don't see Jesus, he says, anymore. We see him according to the, by, by the eyes of faith. He said, in the same way, we've got to see people not as they are today, but as they could be if Jesus would just come into their lives. They're a new creature. They could be different. Refocus. How many of you understand? Jesus is, Jesus, the power of Jesus' life and the power of the gospel changes every single person. You know what else we need to remember sometimes, I believe, is that the best gift we can give is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift you can give another human being is being an introduction to the God who loves them. Listen, you can give money and that runs out. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you can give them uh, maybe uh, clothing and that'll wear out or anything else. It'll run out. But the Bible says very clearly this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. You know, that's a gift that lasts forever. Uh, I, I love it. They come to church. They maybe uh, meet you. They uh, listen to the gospel the first time. And then they get saved. And you know what happens? The Bible says very clearly, their sins are forgiven. They have a home in heaven. All of a sudden, they have a new beginning. There's newness of life. There's purpose for life. There's joy in their hearts. Um, and I, I love what happens. The Bible's very clear. There's no greater gift. I remember moving to Rhode Island uh, four years ago or so, or three and a half years ago. And the Lord allowed us to serve him for a couple of decades in, in, um, in California. And, of course, we missed uh, our friends and, and our church family so dearly, but we knew God had worked and in so many ways to show us. He wanted us to go to another church and just do the work of revitalization. And I remember shortly after arriving there, we got a, I got a little letter. I got a note from a lot of folks, but in those days I got a note from a young a couple, and that, well, they weren't so young then, but they, they had been a young couple. They'd visited our church, and I had gone to their house and sat down in their living room. And I remember leading him and his wife to Christ, and uh, they told me their story. They said, we are, uh, this Friday, will not be there in church Sunday because we have a very serious uh, uh, situation. My, my wife needs a kidney, and I'm a perfect match. He said, I'm giving my wife one of my kidneys this Friday. I remember going down to St. Vincent's Hospital in downtown Los Angeles and praying with them, and, and, uh, but uh, knowing that they were on their way to heaven, the two of them, and then their daughter Maggie, and, uh, and their son uh, uh, as well. And so uh, I remember getting this note, and, I, and that night just came back to me, and they were just saying, uh, Pastor, we miss you, and we, we're praying for you. We're praying God will use you. And they said, uh, we don't really understand how God does all these things, but we're so glad you're following God's will. And they, they wrote like that, and i got to be honest with you, I, we were so emotional. I was so teary reading. And then when he got to the end, there was a little, little uh, sign-off that just wrecked me. He said, I miss you. He said, but because of the gospel, he said, I am your friend. He said, and we'll be together for eternity. Your friend for eternity. And I remember reading that and thinking to myself, what a blessing. What a joy. By the way, his wife uh, died from COVID a couple of uh, years ago. She was very sickly. And, and some of you know what that's like. But not all of you. Others here, you've never experienced that joy. Sure, you're in a soul winning church and great, your parents are soul winners. Yeah, you've seen it taught, but the truth is that there's others of you who don't know what that feels like. There's others here who you know what that feels like, but it's been a while. Maybe it's been a whole summer and all of a sudden we come to a moment like this and that's what we're talking about today. We want to motivate you to help find someone who needs the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who needs newness, newness of life. There's no greater gift that you can give to another human being than the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need to refocus. It's not good what we're doing. Just in here enjoying what God's doing for us 
and doing in us. But there's people out there, they need it. Can I ask you to go to another passage tonight? Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians 4, I'm going to read just a couple of verses. And here's another passage. And this one helps us to remember. To remember. Now here's Paul writing. uh, Paul, of course, the apostle, a great man. And uh, when he appears in the Bible, he is Saul of Tarsus, a wicked man persecuting the church with permission. And uh, he is going about killing everyone who declares themselves to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And as he does, he seems... uh, to, he sees something different in them. Here they are. They are, uh, you know, being killed. People like Stephen, who was being stoned. And the Bible says that uh, Stephen said things like, Lord, don't lay this into their account. Lord, don't put this to their charge. And, and, and at the stoning of Stephen, they laid his clothes at the feet of this man, Saul of Tarsus. And, you know, how, how many of you know what I'm talking about? People can deny everything. They can deny your words, your Bible, your God, your church. But they can't deny what God has done in your life. And it pricked Paul, and it bothered him. And I believe when he was riding into uh, Damascus, I mean, it was just on his mind. And all of a sudden, Jesus himself appears to him, the resurrected Savior. And I believe the greatest proofs for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, think about it, is that the greatest persecutor of the church, Saul of Tarsus, becomes the greatest preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's an amazing thing. How can that happen except that the resurrected Savior himself appears to him? And so now he writes to the Colossian church, and uh, the Colossian church was a church that he'd never really been to. But here the Bible says he writes them to encourage them, and he writes them from jail, and he says these words. Notice in Colossians 4, verses number 3. With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. If you've never underlined that, that's a great phrase to underline. A door of utterance, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He says, church, he says, I'm going to pray for you, but would you pray for me that I would, he says, remember to check and see if there is an open door. If I have opportunities before me. Again, in the letter to the church of Ephesus, he spoke about that. He says in Ephesians 6, 19, and for me, he says, pray that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel. He says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, Paul says, Paul says here, I believe God has gone before me, and I believe that God's preparing hearts, and I really think, he says, that I'm in jail even, he says, to tell some of these people here about the Lord. And as he did with the four lepers, he believed that God had gone before him and prepared the ground, if you will. But you know, the second motivation I I found here in in the Scriptures is to remember. The Bible says we need to be checking to see if there are open doors everywhere we go. Not necessarily the doors of homes, though that may be the case. But he says, check and see if God is opening a door in people's hearts for you to share the gospel. Now, this is very noteworthy. Paul never said, pray that I get out of jail. He said, pray that my heart would change wherever I am. He said, pray that God would use me even here. I, I picture Paul in jail. The Bible tells us that he had some guards there. I think they would switch over every shift and they would come in and a couple guys maybe by his side, a couple maybe at the door. And I just think Paul had that tendency, like you and me, to say uh, when the soldiers would come in, hey, Bob, how you doing? How's your son's cough? You know, and and, uh, hey, uh, Atticus, you know, how how was the ball game? Who won? Did the Yankees won or, you know, or was it the Packers? How'd they do? And, and, uh, you know, to speak about things just, just 
Topics that came easy. And we do the same thing, don't we? we, we it's easy to talk about, you know, Dunkin' versus Starbucks or, you know, in our area, it's Red Sox, Yankees or Ford versus Chevy, you know, and uh, Nike and Under Armour or PC, Apple, you know, and we talk about these things, Cubs, Brewers, whatever it may be. But isn't it amazing what happens, how difficult it is to turn the conversation to spiritual things? And Paul said, would you pray? Now, I want to give you two motivations real quickly to remember, to see if there's a door, a door of utterance, two ways to see if there's a door that's open unto you. Can I give them to you? Number one, start conversations. Now, how do we check doors? How do you know if, the heart, if somebody's heart is open? Well, we don't know until you begin to speak to them. We don't have to look for places to witness. We need to only ask God to help us remember to witness to people where we are. I am encouraging our church, you know, in New England, people walk right by you like you're not there. So I'm challenging our church and saying, hey, let's be a church that just says hi. That acknowledges people. You know, there's nothing more loving that you can do to somebody than acknowledge their existence. Can I get an amen? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, the Bible says. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with them. You know, The question is, are we willing to go in a compassionate manner wherever God has us? Are you available in any situation, uh, an environment to say a word for the Lord? Maybe it's the workplace. Maybe it's your school. Maybe it's your gym or maybe the neighborhood or wherever, recreation areas. Many times it's right in those places that you're going to find that God has an open door just for you. Yeah, it's the same neighbor that's lived next to you for 20 years. But isn't it amazing? One trial and the heart and the, the door of his heart all of a sudden is open. Sure, it's the same guy that's worked at the machine next to you for a dozen years. But guess what? All of a sudden, a difficult weekend, and he's different. And the Bible says we need to be checking doors, starting conversations. God's chosen you to be, an, the Bible says, an ambassador. This is essentially very important for me. I work at a church. The salvation rate on our staff, I think, I hope, is about 100%. I have my doubts about a couple, but anyway, that's another story. So I made this brilliant observation one time that I probably won't get to witness a lot of my work. Can I get an amen, right? So it's good morning, Pastor. Praying for you, Pastor. God bless you, Pastor. Can I tell you a praise, Pastor? Isn't that terrible? Don't you feel sorry for me? That's the environment I work in. Some of you work in very dark places where people all around you are cussing and it's wicked and it's dark and there's conversations and there's cursing and and you know what to try to start conversations is a wonderful opportunity for you and have a great time doing it if you'll just remember to remember to see if there's open doors remember we just moved to new england and i was in a store i was looking for a rain jacket you say well why because it doesn't rain in southern california so i didn't have one (laughs) So I was in this store, and we were probably 35 minutes away, and I was uh, there shopping, and I just said uh, the, the, to the lady, I said, hello there, and she said, hi, and said, can I help you? I said, sure. I said, I'm looking for a rain jacket. I said, I don't have one of those. I said, I just moved here from California, and she asked me what I've been asked a thousand times since, uh, since I moved to New England. Why would you move here from California? And I say the same thing every time, because there is a church where God is working. And she looked at me and she said, that's amazing. She said, I was just telling somebody five minutes ago, I need to find a church to take my children. I said, well, I know just the place. I said, where do you live? She said, I live in such and such a place. Folks, she lived a half a mile from church, our church. 
I said, that's amazing. I said, I'm the new pastor over at that church. Wouldn't you like to come to church? You know, that's what happens when we're willing to just start a conversation. You know, in our world today, if, if this right here is people who are neutral, over here is the point where somebody gets saved. This is maybe a positive 10. And over here is negative 10, where somebody is just caustic and cynical and negative about God and anything religious. And by the way, there's a lot of people here in our world today. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And rightly so. Sometimes they have reason to be. You know, the truth is that sometimes we get, we get really psyched out because we think, well, that person, they could never, ever, you know, get here. And the truth is, that's true. But Paul said these, this truth in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, you know, somebody will sometimes water and then sometimes somebody will, he says, uh, just, just uh, sow a seed. And before you know it, he says, then somebody will be able to reap. But he said these words, John chapter 4, Jesus said the same thing. He says, everybody that had a part in moving this person along will rejoice. How many of you are thankful for that truth? Do you know wherever you go, you can be somebody who's just encouraging and moving somebody along? Sometimes all they do is take the invitation. Sometimes all they'll do is let you get maybe the first words out. But you know, this is what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible says that we can help get them and move them closer. And sure, many times they'll let you share the gospel. And I believe many times people will be saved. But it's an amazing thing. Uh, I, I, I love many times speaking to people. I was talking to somebody on the plane a couple of weeks ago. And, and he asked me, he said, well, what's the difference between your religion and all the other religions and I said that's a great question and I just took the little napkin there and I laid it out and I said it's really very simple I said over here I said all the religions of the world have a list that you have to do and I just write the word the word do over here and then I said then I said over here I said we have I said what we call grace that means that what we believe is that Jesus said that it is done I said you can join a religion, I said, where you have to do all these things. And I said, by the way, nobody's ever done the list. Jews, they haven't met their Catholics. They haven't done their list. Muslims, uh, anybody you talk to, they're adamant about their list. But nobody can ever tell you, you know, you're right. I'm 100% sure because I've met the requirements. And I said, so we believe this. I said, we believe, according to the Bible, that God says, by grace are you saved through faith. Now, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. I said, no, which plan do you want to get on? And he looked at me, he goes, well, the done plan sounds a lot easier, doesn't it? I said, it does to me. I said, can I share it with you? Listen, folks, you don't have to be somebody who's uber educated. Others of us, now, so some of you here, let me be honest with you, you're extroverts. You love talking to people. How many of you are like me? And, you know, I mean, I, I go to the store and, yeah, extroverts, they were doing this right now. I get it. I see you. I see you. I say, I got you. Listen, I go to the store and I talk to the mannequin. Hey, nice shoes. You know what I mean? I mean, I just like talking to people. Yeah, that's what Pastor said. He said, I'm crazy. I know. I get it. All right. Others of you, you need a little coaching. Paul said, remember. He said, pray. He said, because wherever you go, a door of utterance may be open unto you. So when somebody says, you know, it's just been a rough time. I don't know what to do about. You know, I've just been, uh, just, I just don't know what, what's going to happen about dot, dot, dot. And when that happens, remember, oh, and just look at him and say, boy, you know, we're having a community day and uh, a community day. And you know what would be great is if you could come, our pastor is going to be talking about that. I think it'd be a blessing to you. Could I could you be my guest? How many of you understand? God is opening doors all over. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never found people to be so open as they are right now in 2022. If you'll start reading the news and start starting conversations, I think you'll find that to be true. I've led more people to Christ so far this year than I have any year, any year of my life. 
And I don't say that to boast, folks. I'm just saying people have questions and we have the answer. But you've got to start conversations. You know what else you have to do? You've got to share the gospel. I know sometimes we think, well, you know, uh, and I'm going to get candid here with some of you because you think, well, the sweet aroma of our church is enough to, to, you know, just attract anybody. Can I be honest with you? That's not enough. We've got to open our mouth and tell them about Jesus. Listen, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is still the need for information to be communicated from your heart, the Bible says, from the, into their ears. This is very important. We're going to have to spark the conversations, yes, but then we're going to have to share the gospel. Tell them what Jesus did. I hope you'll pray. God, help me to remember to start conversations. And then guess what? When you sense that there is an open door, I hope that you'll walk right through and that you'll tell them what Jesus did. Jesus, what the master did this. He walked up to a well. He was, you know, the Bible says perspiring hot. And he sat there and there was a lady there in Sychar who said, uh, uh, didn't, didn't say anything. And Jesus looked at her and he, she said, uh, hey, will you give me some water? And she said, well, you're asking me. And then the conversation kept going. And she said, hey, he said, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could drink some water that would quench your thirst forever? And he's looking, she looked at him and said, well, yes, it would be. Do you have any of that? And uh, the Bible says he just knew how to start conversations. Second Timothy 4, 5, Paul said to Timothy, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and listen to this phrase, do the work of an evangelist. Now listen, not all of us are evangelists here, but the Bible says that all of us need to do the work of an evangelist. How many of you understand? Soul winning is just work. Listen, I've done it in the hot desert and I've done it now in the cold tundra that is, you know, the northeast. And I'm telling you, every once in a while I go and I'm talking, trying to psych myself out. And finally, I just have to put the window down and throw the keys out. That way I know now I have to get out of the car. It's work. So you say, well, how do we do this? It's just work. And I Remember some simple things. The Bible is very clear here. Uh, the gospel is the power of God. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Well, just share the gospel. Tell them what Jesus did. You don't have to know it all. And you say, what if they decide they want to get saved? Three simple words. Remember this. Tell, lead them in a prayer. Uh, just tell them, hey, it's a simple call. Everybody's got a phone now, so they know how to do it, right? Tell them, you just got to call to heaven, and you got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Number one, I repent of my sins. Number two, thank you for dying on the cross. Number three, please save me. Come into my heart. Be my savior. I'm trusting you. And you know what? It's an amazing thing, isn't it? When they open their eyes. You ever led somebody in the sinner's prayer? And isn't it an awesome thing to look in the eyes of someone who's being newly redeemed? And they look at you and they say, boy, this just feels great. This is awesome. A blessing. So don't give up. Remember, remember, you say, well, I, you know, I've been trying, I've been going. It's inevitable. When I take new soul winners out, we'll go to a door, I'll knock on the door, and somebody will come. And listen, just about every time when it's somebody's first time, somebody slams the door, or somebody will say, oh, I don't want, I don't want to hear it, or, or they yell from their window right before you even get to the door. And I look at the soul winner just about every time, and my phrase is always this, well, that's not the one we're looking for, is it? Let's just keep going. Listen, remember, there may not be an open door right then, but there's another one. That's the one you're looking for. So wherever you go, remember. Refocus. Remember, and here's the third one. Reconnect. 
reconnect. Go to Acts chapter number 2 real briefly, and we're almost done. You know this is the story of Peter preaching at Pentecost. 3,000 people pray the prayer, put their faith in Christ, they're saved. And what do they do? Acts 2.42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Isn't that a wonderful thing? What an amazing thing it would have been to see 3,000 people in one service put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. I love new believers. They bring life. They bring life to any church, to any ministry. I mean, it's just wonderful. You don't know what they're going to say, but they are great, aren't they? And here's 3,000 new believers, the Bible says, and new babies in the Lord. Those of you who are parents, you know what it's like to bring a baby home from the hospital. It's a wonderful thing. Grandparents are telling me all the time that it's even better when they're grandparents because you get all the fun and then you send them home. Amen? But babies need some simple things in a family. First thing they need is spiritual, uh, you know, just, just care and uh, in love and, and just uh, cleaned and all of those things. And then the second thing they need is they need fed. And you know, it's the same thing with new believers. They need spiritual nourishment, right? The Bible talks about the Word of God. And then, it's, and then they need fellowship, a family. So a church, like, like in Acts chapter 2, uh, we need to remember, we need to be doing this steadfastly. The Bible says that we need to go and make disciples. But isn't it an interesting thing that it says, go ye? It's not just talking to everybody, but it's really talking to the collective group as well. It's saying that this thing of making disciples, it's something that happens in the environment of a local New Testament church. I don't know about you. I love coming to church. And you know what? The Bible says very simply that people need to grow in the church. And I, I, I believe that. Uh, I believe you won't grow. And uh, you'll never feel fulfilled until you get connected to a good local church. And it's fascinating to me. Uh, I love the Great Commission. But the Bible says that we need to go and realize that we do this together. The Great Commission is absolute. In other words, we need to not just go and win them. That's soul winning and that's wonderful. But watch this. We need to baptize them and teach them all things whatsoever we have commanded you. Now, how many of you would agree with me right now? That's not something we do alone. People need to get connected to the local church for that to happen. And so that's what I'm talking about tonight. That means it takes the family of God to help people bring come to maturity. Uh, I love as a pastor preaching the gospel. It's always amazing to me how I'll stand up. And sometimes I'm preaching and I'm telling you folks, I have preached some of the world's worst sermons in my life. This may be one of them. I don't know. You do tell me later. I mean, people are becoming Buddhist sometimes when I'm preaching. You know what I mean? That's just that terrible. You know what I mean? But here's the truth. It's an amazing thing. Sometimes I'll preach on tithing and people will come to me and they'll say, I don't want to go to hell. I want to get saved. And sometimes I preach on hell and people will begin tithing. <laughs> and you know what that tells me? It's really not about me and it's about, not even about my words. It's about the Word of God and it, just, it does the work, doesn't it? And it's a wonderful thing. Sometimes I'll preach and I think, Lord, that was awful. And people will come and shed tears and say, I need to get saved. I need to trust Christ. I'll never get over that feeling. But the Bible says that very clearly this. So once they get saved, listen, helping them to be baptized and helping them to grow in the Lord. That takes a loving family of God. Tonight, I'm just simply saying this. I love how the local church works. It's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing when a new believer comes and, uh, and then they get baptized and they begin to meet. Oh, this is my pastor. And they begin to understand what that means and that relationship. And then they get in a discovery group and then they begin to be disciple. And then all of a sudden they have a soul winning partner. And all of a sudden they have a ministry or a team of people that they're serving with. And it's a wonderful thing. And some of you here know what I'm talking about. It's wonderful. 
It's wonderful to be a part maybe of a ministry team. It's wonderful maybe to be a part of a discovery Bible study group. For others, maybe it's time to re-engage. Maybe it's time to reconnect. The Bible says, every one of you, as you've received the gift, so let him minister. As the Bible says, people that minister the, multi, the multifaceted grace of our God. Now, the Bible is very clear. Everybody here has a gift. You have a part to play in getting people from where they are as new believers to where they need to be. But maybe you need to reconnect. Maybe you used to sing. You used to serve. You used to be an usher. Maybe you've never done it. And some of you need to get connected here for the first time. And I'm here to ch- tell you tonight. Maybe tonight is the night where all of a sudden you say, you know, I need to do this. I need to start. So how about it? Do you need to refocus? You may be sitting here and all you know is, this is a great place to be. And these are good people to know. And this is an awesome thing. But you have friends out there. And you've been hoarding and you've been enjoying and you've been taking it in. But God's telling you tonight, you need to refocus. You say, well, I've never been taught to go soul winning. Friend, can I be honest with you? Soul winning is better caught than it is taught. You can't learn to swim in a classroom and you'll never learn to go soul winning until you go soul winning. Eventually, you just need to go. And tonight, can I just encourage you? Maybe you just need to sign up and go, listen, I'll tell somebody because this is the day of glad tidings. But I better not be silent. Maybe you just need to refocus. It's been a long summer. Things get hectic. You've been distracted. There's been a lot happening maybe in your life. And all of a sudden, the Lord's maybe reminding you, it's time to go tell somebody. What about just this thing of remembering? Maybe you've gotten so busy that all of a sudden you forget. We're here for the world. Church isn't for me. I am the church. And I exist. We exist to take the gospel to everybody out there. And when we leave here, that's when our service really begins for the Lord. So how about it? You need to remember? How about carry some of these invitations? How about just being somebody who just starts conversations? Hey, good morning. How's your day going? Not so good. You don't say, hey, is there any way I can pray for you? You know, I've never had anybody who I've asked them, can I pray for you? Say, no, don't pray for me. I've had atheists say, I don't believe in God. Really? Well, can I pray for you or anything? Sure. Would you pray for my daughter? You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, all right, who do you think I'm praying to, brother? They will, and they'll let you. And all of a sudden, listen, maybe just that sweet savor moves them from a negative 10 to a negative 9. And God will eventually break them to bring them over here. And you'll get to heaven, and you'll say, wow, I'm so glad I just planted the seed. So how about it? Do you need to remember a little better? Have you forgotten? Maybe start conversations. Maybe slow down your life a little bit enough to give that track, to say hi to the attendant there at the gas station. What about just reconnecting? Do you need to reconnect? You say, well, I've been going at it all by myself. Listen, you'll never make disciples alone. We've got to link up together. Listen, there's nothing like the body of Christ, but it takes everybody. You have gifts. You have abilities. God's speaking to you. Um, Folks, I am not that dumb. I know But there's people here, you've got gifts, you've got abilities, and you've been shelving them for a long time. It's time to reconnect. It's time to say, I'm going to use them in the local church because I believe God has me here for a reason. If you can see it, you should probably do it. If you can see the media team, you know, should be doing a little bit different there, you could probably help. If you can see that the wall needs painted, you can probably paint it. If you can see administration, you can probably administrate. You can do something. Would you reconnect tonight?